Hello, everyone. You are listening to the DMZ America podcast for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Coming to you from the American left, such as it is, I am editorial cartoonist Ted Rall. And coming to you from the American right, I'm Scott Stantis. Notice you don't have to have a qualifier when you say that. Like, we know that the right is in charge and not in matters. And if you don't know, we'll come knocking. (laughs) (laughs) Because death squads, that's kind of a right wing thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it it, it, it gets rid of the middleman, Ted. (laughs) A little death squad never killed anyone. But wait. God, right out of the chute. Um, always, always. Well, so I, I, I guess we can segue here to uh, uh, America <laughs> is currently on uh, a death watch for yeah. President Jimmy Carter. There's really how no we- other way to put it. How weird is that, by the way? I just think it's just so strange. I, I don't know. Go ahead. I, it yeah, just no, no, this, weird. Is, this is unpar- This is unprecedented in uh, my 59 years on the planet. I mean, I, my first presidential deaths that I remembered were the back-to-back deaths of uh, former presidents Harry Truman and Lyndon Johnson, I believe, who both died in 1972, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, and, very good. And uh, they and, and you know, they basically it was like sort of like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, Truman's dead. Oh, by the way, I mean, Johnson's dead. You know, it's like it's like, oh, um, normally you don't have this like, well, the the former president is uh, now going to hospice, which, by the way, isn't this the second time it happened? I mean, he yeah. Like, he was, I don't know if he had, was sent to hospice in 2015, but in 2015, he was, uh, Carter was di- already old and di- in his nineties diagnosed with cancer. And he was kind of like, well, I've had a good life. See ya. <laughs> Seven years later, he's still here. Um, so it's uh, 98 years old. Maybe it's another yeah. false alarm. Um, I doubt it. Doesn't seem like it. Oh, but, uh, you know. he, he just wants the attention. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's doing it for the clicks. Um, <laughs> yeah, his MySpace account is <laughs> there. So, yeah, so, why. Jim, so Jimmy Carter is. Uh, so yeah, so we thought this uh, this week we would talk about uh, we'd use the occasion of uh, you know this sort of as uh, President Carter enters uh, what appears to be the final chapter of his life uh, to to, uh, to talk about his him and his legacy. Uh, politically, uh, primarily, of course, because that's what we do here. And then also to go on and talk about sort of uh, presidents. Uh, yesterday was President's Day. Uh, yeah. day it, that day always annoys me because it used to be two days, right? We had Lincoln and Washington's birthday off, two separate national holidays, always on a Monday because presidents are only born on Mondays. And and then <laughs> and and then because uh, at the part of the pushback against the establishment of MLK Day uh, was that, like, oh my God, the American people, we will, they will work one less day, and therefore the economy will collapse. So yes. employers were pissed about it. So they were like, well, you have to give up another day. And I guess Christmas was not going to be it. So they were like, so, so sorry, sorry, George Washington, founder of the nation. Sorry, Abe Lincoln, great emancipator. You guys both lose your day. You got to share like like two like like two prisoners at Rikers who were in a cell built for one. I mean, really, it's like fucking tacky as shit. Because you know, America with its nine whopping national federal holidays compared to say Iran with forty six. Uh, you know, we just couldn't have one more, right? We just couldn't. No, no. Well, because so, that's the, the the Protestant work ethic would be decimated in the 
Earth would come off its axis and you know fly into the sun, and you can't do that. Well, that would be bad. So I, I think that would, would be that might be good. But but just um, think about George Washington and Lincoln, who rightfully, I mean, you can argue the, the the details, but they're rightfully in the pantheon of the great presidents. And um, you know, and all of a sudden, you're up there where let's assume there's a heaven, and I believe there is. You know, presidential you know, heaven. I, Yes, presidential, presidential heaven's heaven. different. And then all of a sudden there's you're thrown their secret service. <laughs> and then all of a sudden one day you're thrown. It's like, oh, by the way, you're not elevated anymore. You're in the same room with James Buchanan and Franklin, <laughs> Franklin fucking Pierce. Congratulations. It's, yeah, like, it's like what? You're all yeah, you're in there with Nixon and Ford. Like, really? So yeah. It's like uh like awesome. Look at me. I'm I'm awesome. Trump. You're you're there in with you're in there with Trump. So anyway, the thing is, um, so in honor of President's Day, this was your idea, Scott. We thought we would talk about uh, the most underrated and overrated American presidents. And I promise you this should be, an, well, it'll be interesting for us too. Maybe it'll be interesting for you also, humble listener. But uh, if not, sorry, um, that's, yeah, that's what's happening. Is- so yes, it's uh, our podcast. We can talk about these things. We well, can- let's start with, let's start with Jimmy Carter. Um, quick, yeah. can, I, can, can I tell a quick? Carter's. Uh, I actually I posted to Center Clip, which is a um, an app that both Ted and I are involved in, um, and it's like they're like mini podcasts. If you haven't gotten gotten it, you should get it. It's it's really fun. I walk into uh, walk around the house and in the in the kitchen, Janine's listening to you know Ted or I or our friend Patty or something else. You know, it's and so it's and it sounds really good. Anyway, I digress. But I posted it there so you can hear the story again. But it bears repeating. Um, Jimmy Carter broke my heart. And I'll tell you, I was a 17-year-old kid. I was thinking of looking at a career in politics. I worked on the Ford campaign, the Wisconsin Ford campaign. Worked my ass off. Didn't go to, I was in high school, didn't go to classes. I mean, I was, it was, I was all in on this thing. And if you remember, Ted, in 76, Ford came out of the Republican convention to 32 points behind Jimmy Carter. Yeah, that's that's true. And uh he and there'd been a bruising uh convention fight between him and insurgent California governor Ronald Reagan uh at that yeah, time yes now, if I remember was it wasn't there some parenthetically some allegation that Reagan had tried to purchase delegates at that convention there's rumors of that yeah I mean his people were trying like crazy and they came within an eyelash of resting I mean think about that resting the nomination away from a sitting Republican president uh Although Albert one sort of who never, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And he and so Ford came into the general election carrying a lot of a lot of baggage, obviously, because he had pardoned Richard Nixon. He still had this the stench of the Nixon White House on him. But you know, three two points behind, the, don't forget the economy was shit. I mean, it was the it was the the middle right. of the uh, OPEC oil crisis, and, and it was just uh, and starting and inflation, and, yes, and there was whip. gas rationing. Right, I think. And you have a win button, don't you? For those of you who of a certain age, President Ford gave a State of the Union address. I mean, this is one of those cringe moments of the Ford administration when he says, I wear this button now. Whip inflation now. Win. It's just like, okay, what's that supposed to be? A button. It's a button. The probably probably turned out to be policy attached to this. Probably it probably stimulated inflation because it was uh, another consumer item that people bought. So, (laughs) (laughs) and the demand. I had one. I mean, I wore it for a day or something. Anyway, I worked on the Ford campaign. 
Uh, election night comes, and obviously we all know that Jimmy Carter won that night, but it was a closer election than anyone expected, and it was heartbreaking because really you give your heart and soul, especially at 17, you're an idiot. You know, you're just you're, true. You can give your allegiance to just about anything. Um, and um, so uh yeah, so Jimmy Carter broke my heart, but I did meet Jimmy Carter. Did I tell you that? Have I told you this, Ted? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, you have, but you have not told the the GMZ America world. Okay, real quick. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's, the, world. It's, the, it's the Jimmy Carter donut story, which... <laughs> I love this story. Doesn't that sound like a sexual position? Yeah, last night I actually talked to a little lady. Jimmy Carter donut. Donut. Yeah, Jimmy Carter donut. And it was amazing. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Pull up, pull um, up, pull up. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Altitude, altitude, altitude. We, uh, we were living in Madison, Wisconsin. My father was the general manager of the CBS affiliate there. Wisconsin was one of those, you know, battleground states where uh, Jimmy Carter, who came out of friggin' nowhere, people forget Jimmy Carter really did come out of nowhere. One term Georgia governor, who knew? Uh, and then all of a sudden he wins Iowa and then he wins uh, New Hampshire and he starts running the table. And so Wisconsin became like, you know, the bulwark. And so he was all over the place. He came to my father's television station to, uh, to do an interview. And I, I shook his hand and two, two takeaways. One was I was about five foot 10, five foot 11 back then in high school. And he comes in and I'm Ted, I'm two, I'm, I'm at least three inches taller. I'm going, and he, but his list, when they listed the, you know, the, 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 you know, they described the candidates, they always said he was five foot 10. And you're so like, if he was five foot ten, then I was six foot three. You know, like, I mean, that's not true. such right. Well, it's like George George W. Bush when they said that he was six foot one. And I met the guy. I'm like, I'm taller, mm. I'm going, and I'm five foot eleven. And I'm I'm like, which five? I'm not, I'm not great at math. You know that, Ted. Uh, but five foot eleven is is shorter than six foot. <laughs> it in, is in the Western. You know, Western Hemisphere, and so yeah, it was it was just anyway. So Jimmy Carter comes. I'm 17 year old. I shook his hand. Guys, the thing. You know, uh, nice and you to say, meet you. And you're like, hey, Carter. shorty. Yeah, I patted him on the head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we they had snacks laid out like you do for VIPs, and he grabbed a donut, just a plain glazed donut, and takes a bite out of it. And they say, you know, Governor, we need you. Making we need you on set now. Go for that right now. <laughs> so he put it down and walked away. And so I I grabbed the donut. Yeah. And so I took it home. I grabbed it. He did his thing. He left. My brother, uh, weirdly, said, You want to go out to have lunch? And I said, Yeah. Now you would send you would send that donut to 23. Now you'd get the DNA off. Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the here's the kicker. I went to my house first and left it in my kitchen. Then we went out to lunch. I came back and the donut was gone. (laughs) And my mother had my mother had eaten Jimmy Carter's donut, which again sounds vaguely really. Oh my God. Now that sounds sexual. <laughs> that really does. Uh, my, my, my mom gobbled Jimmy Carter's donut. <laughs> God, what a puta. God, okay. Yeah, we're we're 10 here at uh, DMC America <laughs> podcast. No, anyway, yeah, because I was so I was going to shellac it. I imagine young Scott like, Mom, you, you ate the you ate Carter's donut. Mom, I was keeping that. And of course, it's like keeping it for what? Yeah. Like how? How are you planning to do that? Well, I was going to shellac it. I was actually going to mount it. You could mount it and, and, and shellac it, you know, encase it in some kind of urethane and preserve it. <laughs> We'd have to do it quickly. Oh, come on. 
my, mo- cool my, mom, my mom, like apparently uh, when I was <laughs> a little younger than that, um, I, I found, I found a worm in the, in the, in the garden and apparently occurred to me that I wanted to keep it. I was, I don't know, sure. like four. And so my, I put it in my mom's death drawer and of course she found it all shriveled up and dried and dead. And she was like, um, Frédéric, um, and it was like oh it's like oh i remember i forgot all about him <laughs> it's like it's like what was I his hardly, what, do you remember his name wormy i hardly knew ye <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway all right so all so, of this being so said, much for the political legacy of, Jimmy of president carter, carter. uh-huh <laughs> well, I, I do wonder where you put him because uh, where do you put him as, um, you know, obviously a lot of Republicans for years said worst president ever. And he, I think that no, the, the last two years of his term. Yeah. James Buchanan. Yeah. Who was a real, what a piece of shit human being. Oh my and, God. And, and just worthless. Uh, anyway. Um, so I look, I, well, personally, I just wrote a piece uh, for syndication that is titled Jimmy Carter is a right. Jimmy Carter was a right winger and Jimmy Carter was a right winger. He was, he literally created the new Democrat model of the conservative Democrats, conservative Southern Democrat that basically has a gentle, soft, liberal sounding tone that disguises a bunch of very conservative corporatist policies. This was a model that uh, became known as a third way Democrat, Democratic Leadership Council Democrat. And of course, uh, totally embodied by Clintonism and Obama, uh, both of whom had, were very similar. So uh, when I think about Jimmy Carter, I think of him as the first Democrat since the uh, 1932 Democratic realignment that did not propose any uh, anti-poverty program. He uh, he came into office uh, with, uh, you know, all sorts of very left-wing promises like universal basic instinct, uh, in- income, legalizing cannabis, he threw all that all, all, all that all the window and he re, he restored draft registration. He deregulated the airlines. Uh, he uh, he he just he didn't act on health care, even though it was already a crisis at that time. And then on foreign policy, uh, he started the Reagan defense buildup before Ronald Reagan. Uh, the 1980 budget, which he proposed five years going forward, involved massive increases in defense spending. Uh, he, uh, of course, coddled the Shah of Iran, admitted him to uh, admitted him to uh, the U.S. for medical care, which prompted the hostage crisis, which I think primarily was the main thing that ultimately brought him down. Uh, he coddled dictators all over the world. Um, he was uh, he you know, he was he also funded the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, uh, which, of course, helped set the stage for Al Qaeda and 9-11 later on. Uh, he was, you know, he was really a right winger. He he put a uh, he he pulled uh, American uh, America's Olympic team out of the 1980 Moscow Olympics, politicizing uh, what should be peaceful competition without talking about politics. Um, so setting a stage for uh, future boycotts of uh, based on where they were by other countries. Um, you know, he was a conservative Democrat. Uh, he was. A, uh, he was a fiscal hawk, a fiscal conservative at a time when 
uh, you know, basically we needed money for infrastructure. We needed money for uh, for schools and uh, and the poor, and that none of that happened. So, um, you know, there's no liberal. He sucked the liberalism out of the Democratic Party entirely. There's, uh, you know, it was just like he's a nice guy, and I, I would say he's to be admired for his post-presidency and his work for Habitat for Humanity and serving as a as a peace ne negotiator. And obviously, his made his big accomplishment is the Camp David Accord. Uh, but even look at how that played out, right? Look at where we are now. I mean, basically, Egypt is now has gone from being a socialist pan-Arabist uh, republic to basically being an autocratic thug thugocracy financed by the American tax dollar to the tune of several billion dollars a year, uh, basically as a bribe to keep them from attacking Israel. Uh, Israel is further away from making peace with the Palestinians than they ever have been. Um, there was, there's been no lasting legacy to any of this. So um, mm. I, I don't really see... Uh, so I, I think Jimmy Carter was a dismal right-wing failure from a democratic standpoint. And he helped set the stage for, uh, you know, what Clinton did. Uh, he moved the, 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 Clinton even went further right as a, uh, on domestic policy with the crime bill, NAFTA, welfare reform. Um, but, uh, and then of course, Obama also bailed out Wall Street, not Main Street. Um, and so basically we have these sort of like, they look, and Biden's the same way. I'm an aw shucks, look at me, I'm a nice guy. But, you know, ultimately there's no there there from a liberal standpoint. I mean, you know, you're not gonna get any war on poverty, any great society, uh, any, you know, any anything like that you would, ex that a Democrat looks for, like defending labor, that kind of thing you're not getting anymore from a Democratic president. And that's all, Jimmy, that's all because of Jimmy Carter. Well, I would I would come at it from a different perspective, although I, I don't, disagree with you. I mean, obviously from your perspective is he was a conservative, you know, a, a blue dog or yellow dog, whatever blue color dog. Dog, dog. Well, back then it was yellow dog, but, oh, yeah. um, um and, we'll call them green dog since they blue and yeah, green, <laughs> and blue and I love that. Yes. It, very good. Uh, he was a green dog Democrat. Um, but his other part, I think the lack of leadership because of his nicety, his, uh, uh, when there was there was leadership demanded, the first two years of his term were, were really successful. If you remember, uh, there were some legislative successes. The Camp David Accords were successes. Um, the economy seemed to be kind of moving moving forward. Uh, and then and OPEC kicks in. We have the oil crisis. Then we have uh, inflation, like crazy inflation, which of course the Federal Reserve Board decides to step in and fuck things up even worse. So we had interest rates of somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20%, Ted, can you imagine? Uh, and inflation was roughly running the same thing. So, you know, you had an entire decade of this bullshit. Uh, and Carter, instead of like, I think I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. Uh, during the one two hundredth anniversary of the presidency, C-SPAN showed all of the all of the video and all of the film it could of early presidents, and one of them was uh, FDR down at um, his place down in Georgia, Warm Springs. And it's amazing. It says like, I think it was his 59th or 60th birthday, and they bring out this cake. It's the lumpiest, you know, <laughs> piece of. Not a great looking cake, but by the time he is done talking about, you swear that was the best chocolate cake made in the history of humanity. 
because that's the kind of guy he was. He, he uh, Franklin Roosevelt was optimistic. He could be, and he projected that. Jimmy Carter, sadly, as things kind of came unraveled in the second half of his term, got dour in the Malay speech, which he never used that word, but it's right. but it was it was essentially wagging your finger at the American people and telling them to bunk up. You know, it's like, and that's not really helpful if you're suffering from depression. <laughs> um, well, I think he yeah. thought that he was kind of doing a proto Bill Clinton, I feel your pain kind of thing, like sort of like, I get you, you know, don't you think that's what he was after? Like, Yeah, but if you watch the speech again, it really was a terribly conceived and written speech. It really was finger wagging and tisk tisking at us for something that was really out of our control. Uh, the economic factors, uh, obviously, OPEC played on that. The uh, steel, the dumping of steel into the American economy had a lot to do with that and killed that business in the United States. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of factors that he could have said, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, these manufacturing jobs are going overseas, but we're going to retrain you, which, of course, they never did. But, uh, or, you know, or, uh, but that that's beside the point. That level of optimism, it's turning something, a negative into a positive, right? And Jimmy Carter was always kind of a half, seemed to be at that stage of his life, a glass half empty kind of guy. He, he he did have that sort of school, annoying school marm vibe. I mean, people always talk sort of nostalgically and pleasantly about the, uh, this, the you know, the, 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 the uh, turn your temp, turn your thermostats down in the winter. Uh, he's wearing, I'm wearing a sweater. You can too. Right. Remember that? Yeah. Like, yeah. The energy crisis thing. And they're like, how cute it was. I remember just thinking like, fuck you, Jimmy Carter. Like, I know <laughs> you're not in a freezing cold white house. Like, I know you're not. And like, also this sucks. And like, you go into like a, in the summer into a department store where they used to be so cold that you thought you were going to die, which I love because <laughs> I'm always, I'm always too hot. And, uh, and there's like under Jimmy Carter, it was always like, gross and 80 degrees inside the inside stores and i'm like i know we have to you know take on opec or whatever but it just i didn't like the approach i mean it was humorless and yeah um, and yeah and it was bleak it lacked joy which is funny given his post-presidency which seemed to be full of joy you know um I'm, I'm trying to remember some of the other instances where, uh, oh, and by, you know, uh, micromanaging, which is, was kind of, we remember it turned out that he was, he, he put himself in charge of scheduling the White House tennis courts. Yeah. 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 It's like, wait, what? I mean, there's a whole wide world to worry about. Is that <laughs> whether or not Cyrus Vance is going to be able to play tennis? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like right. yeah 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 oh cyrus vance there's a blast from the past he resigned after the um because he was angry about the uh hostage rescue uh mission which turned out to be like a good thing to be angry about since it got since it failed miserably well just because we flew planes into each other come on ted <laughs> <laughs> did our, no. guys, our, our guys did not get captured though right so Something. Well, the, their corpses did. I mean, oh, I, 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 I'm sorry to say that because, you know, the loss of the of the of the, of the guys and their and their families mourned, obviously. But it was the Iranians showed up and that that it was all deserted. over by then, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there there was the uh, the shell of the um, helicopter. It was wasn't there was a helicopter? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what crashed into what, but it was like, you yeah. know, you think you think these guys would have you know been aware that there's a helicopter, you know. In front of you, 
And then oh, wasn't and who was the guy who uh, was it Vernon something the guy who like was caught snorting coke at Studio Fifty Four who worked for Jimmy Carter Hamilton Jordan? Hamilton Jordan yeah or something like that. Well, was, they were yeah they, well, they were young and they were all of a sudden large and in charge. They were. Having I will a say good time. I do want to say I, I'm not all negative. There was an article in Rolling Stone magazine written during the '80s about the president, the White House record collection. And as you know, Scott, um, like you, I'm an avid music collector and listener. Um, and uh, anyway, I was, of course, interested by this. Apparently, it has a long history. Anyway, long story short, uh, Jimmy Carter was a punk rocker. And Jimmy Carter apparently wore out several copies of the Sex Pistols' Never, wore, Never Mind the Bullocks album. Uh, You're kidding. He, he wore it out. And I'm like, first of all, Jimmy you're supposed to record the vinyl to a cassette tape and play the cassette and then re-record to a cassette as the cassette wears out. That's the proper protocol <laughs> in the 1970s, as those of us know. Uh, but uh, plainly, <laughs> told me not. Uh, but, uh, but then uh, Ray, the, then they, uh, the, the, the Rolling Stone writer contacted the White House for comment about President Reagan's uh, musical tastes and got back the most chilling response i've ever heard said about any politic public figure in my life wow the president does not enjoy music wow which wow. i wow i mean hitler enjoyed music stalin enjoyed music i mean what kind of depraved psychosocial path pathic person would you have to be to not like music I well, I I I agree. Um, I, I I don't I don't know what to say to that, Ted. I, I know. I, I think I may have just like finally burst your uh, Ronald Reagan thing. Love, <laughs> love, yes, Hyman. So Jimmy Carter, um, like I said, the second half just temperamentally was ill-equipped for any kind of crises, long long crises like like what happened with inflation with the economy, and that's I think. All that in the hostage crisis. The hostage crisis was his ineptitude made real. You know that ref that was the illustration. He created the crisis. I mean, the crisis would not have happened. He was told that there, that things were going to blow up in Tehran and that American lives would be at stake if he admitted the, the 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 Shah to the U.S. Which, by the way, didn't really save the Shah's life anyway, right? He died anyway, no. shortly thereafter. Well, he had cancer. Yeah, he had. You know, he was suffering from cancer. So, I mean, I yeah. understand sort of, I mean, I can, you know, in, in fairness, it's hard. Like, you don't want to send a message to U.S. allies like, hey, when you're in a pinch, uh, you know, fuck you. You can't even come to the hospital here. Um, no, but you could have set something up where, you know, there you could have actually. Friendly ally. They should have friendly like, ally. You could have had a territory that's kind of like go to a, France or whatever. Yeah, France didn't want him. Is that am I re remembering this? Yeah, correctly? well, but France had a had, but France was keeping France was allowing Ayatollah Khomeini to live in Paris in exile at the time. So they would have been in a good place to admit him. They could have been like, we're mm. equi we're equanimical here. We don't we don't take a stance on Iranian politics. Uh, you know, he's we're we're humanitarian. We don't care. Um, yeah, I, I think that. Um, I'm sure, I guess that was that, President Pompidou, well, and that was well. The other part of it was that the um, soldiers, the Marines guarding the American embassy, were told not to shoot. Were told not to take any action if someone if there was attacked. The Russian embassy, if you recall, did not have such qualms about protecting its property. And they and, were right. 
Yeah, no, they should have had shots in the air first, of course, you know, and make sure they don't enter the compound. You should you should never have let them come into the compound. No, of course they, not. I mean, obviously. And that was Jimmy. And again, that was Jimmy Carter. That was an order from the White House that yeah, says no order. It's like if you're, well, if you're not going to defend it, then you should abandon it. You should flee. Doesn't, doesn't it make sense? I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I, on paper, it's one of those. Okay, let's just like do the soft, like you do with with protests in the United States. They're, they're, what they're supposed to do, <laughs> they don't. But they're supposed to. It's like with the soft resistance, which is they kind of push and you go back. You don't break, but you 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 pull back, and that's why I think they were thinking of in, in the embassy. I'm guessing. Um, so Jimmy, Car- let's go back what to is- the overall. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? Um, his, you know, what, what do you think his legacy is? Um, he won't be. In, he won't the good, be the I bad think- and the ugly. I think he's going to be of, of the, how many have we now? Do we have now? What number is this one? 45? Uh, no. Uh, I think uh, no, he's, no, we're at, we're at four, Biden's 46. 46. 46. So 46. Thirty-nine. Right. Well, I'm just trying to say, if you're going to rank them, you know, bottom to top, I'd say he's probably 49 ranked. I'd say in the, 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 the high thirties, wouldn't you say? I mean, near the bottom and I'd say the bottom quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm trying to think about, I mean, the problem is he failed maybe at his biggest assignment, which was to heal the country after Watergate. I mean, you know, uh, and I'm not to say that there's nothing bad he ever did. I mean, nothing good he did. He did. He did some good things. I mean, he distanced the U.S. from apartheid era South Africa. He allowed um, he he pulled the rug out of Nicaraguan dictator uh, Somoza. Um, that was a good thing. Uh, but overall, his task really was to be national healer in chief uh, that when he first came in. And then his next job really became managing the economy. And he didn't do a good job there either. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a, a a very easy hand he was he was dealt but he didn't play it well and um yeah no i think and and then of course what's really interesting is he created the modern schism inside the democratic party uh between corporatists and progressives and he's he has <laughs> said in recent years that he regretted uh his role in that and in uh in fracturing the new deal coalition uh with uh lab- between labor and uh, more centrist Democrats. And that has not ever been healed. It's only gotten worse. I mean, you could could argue that like really truly his presidency, I think the fact that Ted Kennedy felt that he could successfully challenge uh, Jimmy Carter and he came close. Um, If uh, the fact that, you know, Jimmy, that the, that the party base felt that they needed to challenge a sitting president from the left within their own party. Uh, you know, that that race, that 1980 Carter versus uh, Kennedy primary and uh, full transparency, I, I worked for Ted Kennedy in that. Uh, I was- um, You were delegate. I was That's a delegate a- to the national convention. And um, that was a uh, um, that was an amazing uh, experience for me. But I'm, I'm just gonna say that like that race kind of, it's, it's really almost identical to Hillary Clinton versus Bernie Sanders in 2016 in the, the dynamics and the fact that in the end, the DNC put their thumb on the scale and made sure that the establishment candidate prevailed. Um, and, and, it, and what it resulted in uh, was catastrophe uh, in, the, in the fall against the Republicans. Uh, again, I think Ted Kennedy would have, st- I mean, he, Ted Kennedy was flawed in many ways. There's that famous interview. Where- oh. 
he couldn't he couldn't answer the question why do you want to be president right it's like oh yeah. i don't know because my yeah. brother did it um but uh but still which is bizarre i mean you know maybe he had the flu or something um maybe he just wasn't that smart i don't know he wasn't yeah. as smart as his brothers oh That's no right. not at all um, <laughs> no, so, no i'm afraid not and, and not, but that, we, we, not we, as good a driver were you in hall <laughs> were you in the hall when he gave a speech i was i mean were you like everybody else in the country saying, where the hell was that Ted Kennedy during the campaign? Oh, 1 million percent. Yeah. It was kind of like better late than never. You know, I mean, it was it was electrifying, but it was also like the, the delegates were in, including Carter delegates were in tears. Um, yeah. It, it was, the, the, the dream goes on. And the dream shall never die. I mean, it was just like it was, they, it was like it was Bobby could talk extemporaneously like that. It was mm -hmm. really amazing. Um uh, Ted was, you know, where are the chicks at? <laughs> it was pretty much. Oh man. Okay. So, okay. So now we'll, let's go down so the, the list real quick because we can do the worst pretty quickly. Cause that's kind of a common, All right, so everyone knows. Take a break and uh, come back. And yeah, let's do that. We're going to give it the worst, but we're also going to say the most underrated and most overrated presidents. Yeah. 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 Those are both important. All right. So, and, the, and the overrated list is going to piss people off. So, all right. Yeah, so chill out. I promise. Cause you know, this is presidential geekery is 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 about to ensue uh, and stay tuned <laughs> after presidential geekery we're gonna uh get into uh ukraine was invaded just exactly a year ago uh in well exactly as in in three days from now um but uh we'll we'll talk about the state of the war and and what happens next i know we've talked about this some but there's also some new developments we need to talk about uh so anyway stay tuned <laughs> Welcome back to the DMZ America podcast for Tuesday, February 21st. I'm Ted Rawl coming to you from the left. And I'm Scott Stantis coming to you from the right. So we're going to kind of, we're going to have pre presidential geek out here. Ah, uh, freak out. Dink, 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 dink. Um, and so, so I'd love what list. I mean, everyone knows the worst. Okay. So we're, we're do that the most, the most over, but we, we, we broke down a list. We made a list last night. We were talking and, we, and I thought the better approach to this would be why don't we have a list of most overrated and most underrated uh, presidents. So uh, let's start with the most overrated. And may I start Ted? Please, please be my guest. And, and you and I, and you right out of the shoot, you and I both had the same name. And can you guys out there think of what it could be? We're, John Kennedy. <laughs> He was only president for like what two and a half, three years. I mean, seriously. I mean, he was eloquent. He was he ha he really was very urbane, very quick on his feet. Um, handled great style. the great style. The Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, don't forget, he also pushed through a tax cut. So God bless him for that. Uh, he was anti-communist and want and which, which we hate. Which we which we hate, of course. Well, half half of us hate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but in terms of him always seeming to be in these lists of the top five or six is preposterous. Uh, he did not pass and it probably wasn't going to pass what Lyndon Johnson passed. So JFK, I'm just, yeah, I'm no, that's true. The, the, yeah. The, Lyndon Johnson got through the, the civil rights act, which Johnson, you know, did yeoman's work. I mean, he kicked serious fucking hardcore ass to get that through. Um, to the point, I mean, I don't think any other human being could have gotten that done. But, you know, no. Kennedy's commitment to civil rights was uh, weak. Um, it was watered down, let's just say. 
Have you ever listened to the tapes? You know, he had he had listening devices in his office. Yes. And they released the tapes, the Kennedy uh, uh, Library released some of them. And they're fascinating. First of all, I'm shocked in private conversation that he swore a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that that's, that's so all naive. All politicians did, though, do. Yeah. Well, they were men dealing with men, and that's how you men spoke. Um, and uh, one of the most jaw-dropping conversations he had was a closed-door, you know, get the press out of here conversation he had with uh, uh, Na- the administrators of Nassau back then. He's, and he literally says, I don't care if I don't give a shit about space. I care about beating the Russians. Uh, and it just dropped your jaw drops because he really spoke so eloquently about the space race and why it was important and and elevated and then then behind closed doors he says i don't believe that bullshit myself (laughs) well you know he had he had pierce salinger at his side telling him what to say right so yeah yeah so 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 john kennedy who else i mean uh, i would say barack uh, obama um, is widely considered a good, uh, 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 he's ranked very highly by presidential historians because there's a tendency, by the way, with recent presidents to always overweight their goodness or their badness, depending on where they are. I mean, like, uh, you know, we we tend to say, well, because we think of them more, we remember them more. And yeah. so like, and so, but, but I think basically Obama just gets points for being black. That's, that's it. Yeah. Well, um, Obamacare was a major uh, accomplishment it's his only frankly, major accomplishment right and even that i mean and this isn't i can guarantee you this is not uh, backseat driving this is um you know i my thought ted's thoughts everyone's thoughts were just just make medicare for everyone that's the easiest quickest way to cover everybody in the country um the insurance companies would go bananas but that's too bad because they're evil and deserve to be destroyed um so, you know, but you're, you're right. I think he's going to go down as a very mediocre president again, came into office and there's a real, you know, shit burger waiting for him. Right. There was, um, well, we but on the other just, hand, it's a shit burger that he knew was there. I mean, he, like the entire campaign, he was, I mean, it's, it, to me, it was very strange. You know, they released that list of books that he was going to be reading or was reading. Right. Right. And it was all stuff about Lincoln and reuniting the country uh, after the Civil War. In other words, he thought he, he was going to be his presidency was going to be about racial reconciliation. It's like, no, you're coming in during the middle of a massive global economic meltdown. You're not Lincoln. You're FDR. Your job is to deal with that. And he never understood that. He didn't take it seriously. I mean, you know, he just didn't understand the job. And it's not like Jimmy Carter, who came into the presidency, you know, with an economy that could have gone either way and it wasn't awesome, but then it got worse. Obama came in, it was already fucking bad and he was, it had been bad for a year. And to George W. Bush's credit, uh, he was doing some of the right things on his way out the door, but they hadn't really taken effect yet. So, um, but yeah, I, I think he was a, I think Obama was a crappy president. Um, you know, he had a, he had a really nice, even temper, uh, a nice calm tone. And after Bush, that's what people were looking for. But yeah. And so I think, yeah, Obama goes down in history as a mediocre president. I don't think as a bad president, but as a mediocre president, but as a seminal president because of his race, because he did break the race barrier for that office. Um, other overrated presidents. Um, uh, Lincoln, you, Abraham yeah, Lincoln. You and I disagree on that. Okay, I'm going to say num- first and foremost, 
Um, the South had every legal and moral right to succeed if it wanted secede if they wanted to, and uh, if they and they did, and uh, Lincoln should have said like, "Don't let the door hit you, the of the Union hit you on your fat ass on the way out the door. Fuck you. Goodbye. See you later." Then the South it would have been a great thing. First of all, if the if the country had, had <laughs> split into two, the Union would have been a a liberal left. Uh, place where you have the two main parties would be far left and then uh, center left, which is as God intended. And then meanwhile, <laughs> the slaves would have clearly risen up in the South, in the Confederacy and, and killed all the white, killed whitey. And then we could have made friends with them and then like had an alliance or gotten back together and been like, hey, you left your abusive husband. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. So I think, that, I mean, he the, the Civil War should not have been fought. And he he was a he was a despot. Um, he he stole the eighteen sixty four election. He suspended habeas corpus. Oh, I, he did not steal it. You're gonna have to qualify that one. Well, he counted the electoral votes from states that were not in the union anymore. You can look it up. Sure. Okay, I know that he had one thing that really pissed off the Democrats is he let the he let the troops vote. Okay. Which was new. Which was new. Well, no, uh-huh. they, they had a right to vote, Ted. Come on. And I disagree with you. I think that you absolutely had to keep the union together. Uh, there is no. The, on what there, moral there is no, or legal or political basis under international law? Well, he used it as, I mean, he used the Declaration of Independence as his, as the uh, which is bedrock legal, of his which is argument. Which is not a legal document. He viewed it, he, well, he disagreed. And he. <laughs> he disagreed. His, he, well, yeah, Hitler well, disagreed that like Czechoslovakia was an independent sovereign state, but you know. okay, well, right, but this was different. And holding the union together, when you can have a union that is not a uh, solve is not can dissolve itself that quickly and that easily, uh, I th- I think it's you're like, saying it's yourself like up for the balkanization like, of the North American continent. It's it literally been a like catastrophe. Your, it's literally like your wife wants to leave, so instead of like convincing her not to go, you chain her to the radiator. I mean, it's like. That's that's literally we we kept the I mean Lincoln kept the union together by force of arms and uh, I mean you could I mean look the the argument could be and that it was you know necessary to fight the Confederacy in order to emancipate the slaves um, but that's not no. really the argument that he made no. I don't think it's the argument he had principally in mind I think the argument he had principally in mind was like. Holy shit! Do I want to be the one guy? Do I want? Do I want to be Yoko, the guy who's responsible for breaking <laughs> up the band? Um, well, I think Jeff, Jeff Jeff Davis is probably Yoko. Um, uh, well, it might have been John, I don't know. It might have been John Breckenridge or John Bell. I mean, because think about that was the only 1860 election is the only four way real four way presidential campaign in American history. Yeah. It's really, it's an weird anomaly that way, and uh, and 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 Abe Lincoln did not carry a single electoral vote from the future Confederacy. No, of course not. Well, no, of course not. You know, that, that was part of the problem was that he was not a unifier; he was a divider. Oh, I disagree. I, I, I would say the South was the divider in this one. They want they wanted to keep their slaves, and we weren't going to let them. And. Uh, well, that, that, but but in fact, too. we were. But in fact, we were. I mean, there was, you know, you know, there was a lot of I mean, the, the union bent over backwards to placate the southern slaveholders. I mean, I just that's and, true. 
And we shouldn't have. We should have just said, you know what? England got rid of slavery in the 1700s. We probably should do the same thing. Well, they should have gotten rid of it. At, at You know, we should have gotten rid of it with the Constitution, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, Declaration of Independence, too. Don't forget the original language did talk about it. But then that's they true. Started. That's true. But, then, but I mean, but I'm, but I'm just going to say, I think Lincoln... Um, well, I just and I disagree with you, but okay. So those are the most overrated. The most, think, are, there, are we missing any other overrated? Oh, 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 dude, Truman, idiot, yeah. fucking moron, fucking started the Cold War all by himself, pretty much. You know, I mean, FDR dies. We're good friends with the Soviet Union, with Stalin. Everything's cool. The war, good friends, is world, the world's been split up uh, into spheres of influence. And, uh, you know, no need to have all these proxy wars for half a century, uh, arms race, like at the expense of basic human needs, um, you know, uh, the you know, children duck and cover. You know, there was no need for that. Not to mention he used nuclear weapons not once but twice, both against civilian targets because uh, they wanted to literally see what it's, what would happen to a city when it got nuked. That was the studying part was a huge part of it um, and to and to spook the Soviets. Um, and it set a precedent. Uh, Osama bin Laden said that if Al-Qaeda ever acquired nuclear weapons, they'd be fully justified in using them because the U.S. set the precedent. Um, That's terrible. Taft-Hartley Act, anti-union, turned his totally turned a blind eye to Joe McCarthy uh, and, and what was going on there. Like basically didn't approve, but didn't do anything to stop him. Um, you know, I mean, Truman, asshole, total asshole. I, I look back, I'm like, FDR was right, like to look down on Truman and not invite him to cabinet meetings. It's like he, Truman, he, Truman was a douche and like he's just a humble man from from Missouri. And it's like it's like, yeah, you know, idiot is. Really well, I don't know if I, that's unfair. I think he is overrated because don't forget they had a play about him. Give him a hell, Harry. It was a one man play. Uh, and then they had the McCulloch uh, biography, which was a hagiography and- if, you, if there's ever been one. I think biographies go one of two ways, Ted. You and I love biographies. Uh, the biographer either loves, literally falls in love with the subject or yep. just loathes the subject. And you have to kind of cut through and read more than one biography of the person. That's true. Just to get their vision of them. Um, That's why it's, it's really hard in the English, for example, to find, a, a, I mean, I'm not even kidding, like a, bi- a biography that you can trust of, say, a figure like Hitler or Stalin, because everybody hates them. And it's like, basically, there's like no, there's no, I don't know if we need a hagiography of Stalin, but like, it would be nice <laughs> to read one where they gave the devil his due. And I have not, or Mao Zedong, I have not read one of those. Really? Because I thought there were some that are very, about Mao, I thought there were some that were very. Um... Not, not that I've read, but hey, hey, hey huh. by the way, if uh, you're listening to the pod and, and you know of a book like this, like, uh, you know, tweeted us. At, at Scott Stantis or at yeah Ted please Trump. yeah we'd love um, we love to read we love to read biographies so um Harry Truman yeah I'll, I'll give you that although he did do some great stuff too I would argue that his um desegregation of the armed forces that was important was that and I and you and I disagree on this but I think dropping the atomic bomb was important it ended the war well, it's it, sa- it saved a million lives. No, that's um, extremely dubious. I mean, no, 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 no. An invasion of mainland. The second one. Like with the second one, we waited three days, right? After the first one. And given the dismal state of communications at in, in Japan after saturation bombing, the the the, uh, the 
the high command in Tokyo really was had not received the news. And it's pretty clear they didn't really understand what had happened at Hiroshima. And we should have given them a week or two before we did Nagasaki. We should have been like, like, make sure they really got the message. By they all got the message. They debated it in the records show that they knew what happened. They debated it in the cabinet. They kept saying, we're not going to, we're, we're just not. And they also didn't believe that we had two. <laughs> they, they rolled the dice. Well, they lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's look, there's controversy there, right? Um, by the way, what about Wilson? I know we've talked about Wilson. Oh, right. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, we he's, have. He's usually rate, rated kind of not that low. No, he's rated very on some lists really high because he because he fought and, and managed uh, World War One. First of all, no, we shouldn't have gone into it. It wasn't our fucking war. And two, the post-war stuff was bullshit and it fell apart. Oh, and by the way, he also was, you know, all the Jim Crow laws and all the bullshittery that was coming from the South on the constitutions. If you're aware of that, I lived down Which here. Which would not so be an issue if Abe Lincoln hadn't fucking brought them back in. <laughs> Anyway, so Woodrow Wilson was a Southerner. People forget that he was born in South Carolina. He was a Southerner but from a gentrified Southern family, an antebellum family. And he brought all that bullshit with him up to New Jersey. He was a horrible human being. And the stroke just made him suffer, which was okay because of the, what he did with Jim Crow laws. Fuck this guy. Sorry, you touched a nerve, Ted. Yeah, well, and, no. and, and don't forget, because, let's forget that little war. That, what was that war thing? Well, I mentioned that. And then he comes back with the League of Nations, which was like, you know, this will solve everything, which had, you know, let's create an entity that has no teeth. OK, because that'll work, you know. Um, well, was, I, I but, think, but, but I think the, the impulse behind the, the League of Nations was not a bad impulse. It wasn't a bad impulse, but but he, but that's what he's that's why he's elevated so high, especially by academics who tend to. But he couldn't get the League of Nations liberal. across the finish line. I mean, it's hilarious. Well, it was it was the will America's idea, and America never even joined. No, and do you know where their headquarters were? New York, San Francisco. Ah, um, yeah, weird place to put them. But anyway, um, uh, Woodrow Wilson. I just say uh, the uh, Jim Crow laws; those are all on him, all of them. He mm -hmm. signed them. He put them through. He relished and with great joy passed them and signed them. So no, fuck Woodrow Wilson. Oh, Madison. Madison. <laughs> I just think he did burn he, down the house. He got the house burned down. Burning like, down the house. Like it's uh, like it's like it's like, you know, it's kind of like when you burn down the house at your Airbnb, you get like a total negative review afterwards. And even if you're like, <laughs> oh, that was the neighbors. They burned down the house while I was staying there. It's like, yeah, but you were leasing it. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, you and I have the same view of him as just being a backstabbing little prick. Yeah, uh, which he Not to was. mention a lying shit who yeah. like told the American people that he was going to keep us out of war in 1916. And like, oh no, you're back to Wilson. Later, as soon as he uh, takes the oath of office, he's I like, was talking about Madison. I thought oh, yeah. we were talking about Madison. Oh, we're back to, and Madison, you know, the father of the Constitution, he has that because he did argue it and many of the points, and he kept a diary of it, but. um there's a lot of hands involved in that. But uh, during the War of 1812, uh, it's one of my favorite military stories of all time, Ted. I love this story because the British land in the Carolinas, actually, and they start moving up and they're burning and, and raping and pillaging and doing what the British <laughs> as usually they do, do, as they do. And they get to Washington, D.C. and they march in. Uh, they burn the Capitol. They burn the White House. 
And they start moving up the coast again. And they go, wait a minute. This has to be a trap. This has easy. to be a trap. They, yeah, it is too easy. They're, they're setting us up. So they stopped. They could have gone all the way up to, you know, Canada. and <laughs> We wouldn't have stopped them. <laughs> they just, they freaked out and just thought that we were the ones who were going to stop. Madison. Uh, yeah, not, not. And Monroe was the same. He was, they were both uh, Jefferson's toadies. And so Jefferson never had his fingertips when he when he screwed someone over. He'd always have Madison or Monroe do it, and they got rewarded. They were president. They became president. And Monroe was what was almost only the second president to be uh, elected unanimously. And then mm-hmm. one of the electoral said, "No, that that honor really has to stay with one guy, and that's of course George Washington." And so they voted for I don't know Ted Rawl or something. Um, right. Okay, so most, um, most, Clovis. that's the most, so, so this is the most overreal Clovis. <laughs> it's always about Clovis. Always. He brought Christianity this, to France. He was the first season. king of France. He unified yeah. France. Yeah. Which didn't stay that unified. If you read that book you lent me, it wasn't unified <laughs> until like the, the, like the mid 1800s, which is amazing to me, but that's, that's true. Beside the part. Um, okay. So the most uh, underrated presidents of all time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with um, uh, Taft is one. Ooh. I thought he was, ext- he, he, he carried, he was actually Teddy Roosevelt. We, we have this image of Teddy Roosevelt as being the trust buster. It was actually Howard Taft who was m- much more aggressive about that type of thing. Uh, he kind of fell into Teddy Roosevelt's ego, which was the election of, was that 08 or 12? 12. 12. It was a three-way race between Taft, Roosevelt as a bull moose party and Woodrow Wilson and Woodrow Wilson got into office, which was a damn shame for everybody. True. Um, although frankly, if Roosevelt had won, Roosevelt would have gotten us into world war one in a heartbeat. I mean, he would have, that's true that he would have. Yeah. Taft, if Taft had won. Taft would have been extremely hesitant, sort of like McKinley, who was very hesitant to get into the uh, Spanish American war. He really had to be pushed to get into it because he knew it was bullshit. Um, but I'd say Taft is highly underrated. I'd say Eisenhower, although Eisenhower is kind of having a renaissance right now. I was going to say, Eisenhower's not that. like He's not really viewed as a shit president. Not shit, but just was Media never thought of at all. He's a middle-lister. Yeah, but he's not. I thought he did a, an amazing job. He got us out of North Korea, I mean, out of the Korean War. Uh, he fought like crazy not to get involved in Vietnam and just got nominally involved, although the Democrats love to paint him as... The guy who got us in. He did. He's a fucking amazing economy. Although there is a recession that everyone always forgets about in the late fifties, but yeah, but, that's but it was just, very that's shallow. Capitalism. That's how it is. Uh, you know, he inherited the cold war, which I think again, he managed well. He was a negotiator. That was his, that was just his, which I respect in our last segment, we're going to talk about Ukraine. I wish he were president today because this shit wouldn't be happening. Well, that's true. Uh, uh, we wouldn't be on the verge of World War III because of our own incompetence. Um, uh, who else, Ted? I mean, there's. Um, okay, well, I'm, uh, well, so we have to talk about Chester Arthur. Um, he uh, he assumed the presidency after uh, the assassination of uh, and short, very short lived presidency of James Garfield, who probably would have been an excellent president, but we never got to yeah. find out. Uh, but Chester Arthur, uh, he only served like I guess three and a half years. And but he was a amazing civil service reformer at a time when which is weird. Give his background. Was a huge problem in this country. He yeah. came from. He was the port. What 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 title that was that? Ted Port Authority or um, yeah, 
guardian of the port or something like that. It was a incredibly corrupt position. Inherently was, corrupt. Almost. Yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, institutionally corrupt. And they, yeah. How he got appointed vice president, they just wanted to get him out of the way, the 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 power brokers well, of New York. And so yeah. they made him vice president. They he made that mistake a lot, like with Teddy Roosevelt. They made that yeah, mistake. let's just get him out of the way. Yeah, whoops. Um, but with with our author, and he came became president, uh, as you said, on the assassination of, of Garfield, which was you know no, Garfield was fairly young when he was elected, and the, the presumption mm-hmm. was he was going to serve. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he was allergic to lead. Apparently, um, <laughs> the fate of the Republic is a great book about the assassination and how he shouldn't he didn't need to die that he had yeah. some incompetent dipshit doctor put in charge of his health and yeah. he. he, he and he died of infection, which was just a horrible. You've mentioned he, you've mentioned Coolidge as underrated. Uh, oh, he very was highly at the time, really popular, um, yeah. but uh, didn't. I mean, I guess you know one interesting. We we're talking about like what would have happened differently if Al Smith had defeated Herbert Hoover in 1928. Would he have what handled it any differently? Uh, we started to talk about that, and then we didn't. Um, what do you think? I think uh, well. Um, Smith had the same kind. The he's called the Happy Warrior. Yeah, uh, hit with that kind of a uh, of an emergency, he would have. You think he would have tried to stimulate the economy or allow? Oh yeah, I think they would have tried a bunch of things. I think he would have gone uh, very soft core uh, New Deal yeah, policies. More, I mean, Hoover is kind of unfairly maligned, right? Because he really did care and he really did try some things. Um, but not enough. Like right. Well, and it, it's, it's it's temperament. It was I mentioned Franklin Roosevelt. It was all temperament, and and Hoover was very much like Carter. You know, we were faced with an economic catastrophe. It was hard to fathom, mm-hmm. hard to understand why it was happening, and he didn't bother to explain it to people. And it was like I said, he he was just dour about, and that's what Carter was in the late seventies. Just became dour. And you don't, you want your, you don't, you want your president to be Henry V, you know, once, once more into the breach, right? You want to be able to follow them into. They can be depressed privately at the bottom of a bottle, but they've got in public, they've got to have that big smile. Yeah, precisely. And so. um, I get that sense about Obama. I bet Obama's dour in public, in, in private, but like. You know. I would suspect, yeah, he's probably, I think he's, uh, he came by the, I, before my, just before I got there, he would come by regularly for editorial board meetings at the Chicago Tribune. And he would, I mean, literally was, oh God, that guy's back again. Do you want to talk to him? I don't want to talk to him. You want to talk to him? I talked to him two weeks ago. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll take the bullet. Oh, shit. And you go and talk to him. And so the editorial board knew Barack Obama pretty well, state Senator Barack Obama, especially, and said that he was just eager kind of kind of professorial you know mm-hmm. as, you'd bookish, as a professor book bookish um I, yeah but coolidge let me get back I, first of all i thought he managed the country very well didn't get us into any stupid wars economy was booming uh, the economy was booming probably too much and he actually talked about what he should do and his instincts were to not do anything and that was clearly a mistake. But he also, here's the one story, and we'll move, we'll move on from Coolidge, why I re- I love this guy so much. And a, a recent biography, which if you haven't gotten it, you should. It's superb. I think I sent it to you, didn't I, Ted? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to okay, read it. Yeah. It's really- um, I'm currently reading time. my biography of Putin. So, you know, he- Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Different kinds of guys. Um, yeah. Coolidge, two stories real quick about their his presidency. One is breaks your heart. He had just become, he had ascended to the presidency. 
on the death of uh, Harding, the surprising as uh, which Harding apparently was stooping his mistress at the time. But, you know, God bless him. Uh, he dies. Coolidge becomes there worse ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he that's would. How, that's he, how Vice President Rockefeller died. You remember that? Yes. Well, she called because she couldn't get him off of her. <laughs> apparently they were doing it on his desk. And um, yeah. I uh, don't he, we do it on the desk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, but Coolidge, okay, so Coolidge becomes president. They have a tennis court uh, on the premises, and his kids are playing tennis. His oldest boy gets a blister. Um, and 10 days later, it becomes it becomes septic, and he dies. The boy dies. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, people wonder why, you know, Coolidge slept like 17 hours a day. I mean, that's depression. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of the most moving and I get choked up. So excuse me for being sentimental here. But uh, one of the most moving presidential moments I can think of is they had the coffin in the stateroom in the old White House and the Secret Service heard a noise in there at three in the morning. And he went in and the president, President Coolidge, had woken up and gone down and opened up the casket and was stroking his son's hair. Fuck. And I'm th- yeah, um, it's brutal. But so, with Coolidge, well, on the, but with Coolidge, the other story to share real quick with Coolidge is that he did with the Secretary of Treasury every morning for an hour or, or more would go line by line through the through the federal budget. Hmm. And yeah. I've had so many friends I talked I to. You I, don't, I don't, I don't want my president doing that. And my take is I, that's exactly what I want my president to be doing. All right, two more. Oh, I have two more suggestion nominees uh, for most under underrated, and one one I think you'll agree with, and one I know you will disagree with. Um, so James K. Polk. Oh, absolutely. One term said, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, think about this. This is how every president should run. I'm going to do A, B, C, and D. And he got into office and he was, he was, he didn't drink and his, so they didn't have any alcohol. So maybe that has something to do with it, it. but he, and he did A, B, C, and D. And then he said, okay, I'm done. Did what I came here to do. I'll see you guys later. And it was all good stuff. And it was one term. So, well, some of it, I mean, uh, take it, you know, uh, what's that called? Oh, God, I'm, sorry, Ted, I'm having a senior Gadsden moment. Purchase or no, Texas. Um, yeah. how do you what's it called when you uh, when you annexation. take a state annexation of Texas? It was done in a very brutal and very probably illegal way. Um, yeah, that's and, true, but that but, was but that was considered a, a major win by the people. Oh, god, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, by but you have to, you know, let's not indulge in presentism, right? I mean, he. We have to judge people by the standards of their own time. Um, I, I just want to say parenthetically, my favorite president, the president I would want to know and and hang with and be buds with would be Thomas Jefferson. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, like the, he's like the guy I would want him to like me. Uh, but I'm <laughs> going to put in underrated Donald J. Trump. Um, Donald J. Trump is currently rated like in the sub-basement of total worthless turd pieces of shit and um and i'm not going to say that he's a great president but he deserves better than he than that reputation uh i'm going to upgrade him from like an f triple minus to like a d plus because um first and foremost i don't think president hillary clinton and the democrats would ever have signed off on the on Operation Warp Speed that developed the vaccine. I think they would have been overly cautious in terms of government regulation and testing. Uh, remember when the pandemic started, we were all told there wouldn't be uh, any possibility for a vaccine to be developed for at least five, released for five to 10 years. Um, so we thought we were all on our own. Um, President Trump signed off 
on that. And uh, it was a risky move. It could have gone poorly, but, uh, you know, it saved countless lives. Um, it was daring and audacious. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, def I'm definitely pro-government regulation, but in this case, uh, Trump was 100% right. It blows my mind that he didn't run on that because he would have been reelected handily if he had embraced the vaccines and bragged about his immense success in handling the COVID uh, thing. Instead, he he snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, bizarrely, because he was a lunatic. No, but, but his but because his his people, his 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 base were like, I'm not getting I'm yeah. not going to get this get jabbed by that. But he could have, uh, he could have, he did own them and could have told, could have convinced them into doing it differently, I think. Um, anyway, that's, that's my, uh, and I think. Oh, that's, that's a shocker that, um, and here's the thing with that. And you mentioned it earlier that as some, both guys who love history here, I always take a long time to decide where this person's presidency will be rated. Um I think George W. Bush will be a, a lost opportunity presidency, uh, but he's also of recent memory. So now with Carter, Reagan, Ford, um, you know, going back, we can now we can, Reagan, we can have more objective views of these guys. So who underrated? That's a, that's a shocker, Ted. You may be right. I think in with time. You know, also, I'm going to say I he also don't forget. Also, he got us out of Afghanistan. I mean, that was the, the longest war, the biggest quagmire in American history. It makes Vietnam pale in comparison. And he um and he he audaciously was willing to negotiate with America's adversaries, North Korea. He was willing to talk to Iran, although he didn't. Um he and he got us out of that shit war in Afghanistan, agreed to sit down with the Taliban in in Qatar, uh in, sorry, in uh, Doha in order to talk to in to them and negotiated the withdrawal that Biden correctly executed. Uh, he executed it poorly, but the fact that he went forward with it was a beautiful thing. So, you know. Okay, interesting. No, I mean, it's going to be interesting how history right now, we're still in the, well, first of all, he's still alive and still kicking and still running. So it's hard to, um, hard to judge someone like that. I mean, and temperament is a hard thing to judge in a historical prism right mm. you can't um you know lincoln you can't uh, we have this idolized version of him what was he really like i thought the films like lincoln did an interesting job at showing him as very human um and what were his foibles what was his temperament um nowadays uh yeah that's interesting okay i'll have to consider that ted i mean it's it's the, um also let's see underrated i i think grant is underrated. I know he had corruption in his administration, but he also, for two terms, ran the the, ex, the explosion of America in in the West and its expansion as a world power. Uh, he did not manage Reconstruction particularly well in the in the just crimes that were being foisted on African Americans. Then um, he tried try, certainly tried better than say Rutherford B. Hayes who stole the election of seven, 1876 by saying, I'm going to pull the troops. Right. Um, but I still think Grant did a pretty, a pretty solid job um, and is, is underrated. I agree with Grant. I agree with, I, I, I think Grant is, uh, yeah, unjustly maligned. Ah, ah, one more, if I may, in the overrated department, Andrew Jackson. Oh, yeah. 
was a flaming piece of shit. Total piece of shit. He's, I would suggest the only reason that he is honored is because he founded the Democrat, the modern Democratic Party. And uh, and people who are Democrats like that, the Democratic Party exists. But aside from that, I mean, the Native American policy alone, um, you know, I mean, it does make me laugh, like, how he acquired the Floridas, as it was called at the time, right? He's like, <laughs> go ahead. Basically, he's like, he's like, uh, so he's like, asks Congress, like, hey, I'm in Georgia. While I'm down here, I'm thinking about invading Florida, which is <laughs> very lightly guarded, guarded by a garrison of uh, a few hundred uh, Spanish troops, because it was part of the Spanish Empire at the time. And Congress is like, absolutely not. Do, do not invade Florida. We don't want you to invade Florida. And he's like, <sighs> I'm driving through a tunnel. I can't hear you. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, I invaded Florida. And and then he goes back to Congress and they're like, they're like, you asshole. We fucking told you not to invade Florida. He he goes up to you. He's like, they're like, get your ass up here and we're going to like rip you a new one. So he then has the ultimate argument. He goes, we had to invade Florida because it was so unsafe. It was very lightly guarded by the Spanish garrison. And the fact that I was able to defeat them proves that anyone else could have defeated them. And therefore, we could have we would have suffered a possible foreign invasion from our southern border. And they were like, you're right. Let's get whiskey. And they sure. <laughs> well, what else are you going to do? Give it back? I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> but just but what he did, to, I mean, the trail of tears, his his policies towards them. But here's the thing. I mean, why do you? I mean, that, why else would you hate him? Well, okay, let's go with, he wasn't just a slave owner, as most of the early presidents were. He was a slave trader. That means he actively broke up families, uh, literally bred human beings to make other human beings. This was, this guy was a monster. Yeah, he was. And don't and, forget, <clears throat> well, him and Van Buren and the, the killing, the genocide of the Native Americans, like that was really those two presidents. Holy shit. The little fox. What was his not the something? Was that what he's called? Van Buren had a nickname. Um, yeah, I, I actually got I got into an argument with the Secret Service over that. Um, over Van Buren. Yes, because and who doesn't really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was taking the tour of the White House, and at the time they did. You could walk yourself. You could just walk into a room, and there's a Secret Service agent in there, and he'd give you the history of what you were looking at. He goes, and that's Mrs. Van Buren. I go, it's not. He goes, no, that's Mrs. Van Buren. I go, no, it's not. It's his, I believe it was his daughter or his niece. Mm -hmm. uh, it was his niece. I go, no, that's that's his wife. I go, no, it's not. His wife died before he became president. Mm -hmm, so that's it can't be. Mm -hmm. and, and the Secret Service, said, and we were getting pretty heated. He goes, just a minute. He walks out. He's like, I cut you. And he walks back out, walks back in and says, you're right, sir. I go, okay, thank you. for hey, That's right, that. bitch. So going going forward, yeah, he, he was not giving the misinformation that that was Van Buren's wife, but his right. niece. Okay, so Scott wins one for the Secret Service. Absolutely, yeah. Thank God, <laughs> thank God for that. All right, so are we? Uh, are there any more names, or should we like move on to Ukraine? Let's move on to Ukraine because we have this is I, this is we're both going to get pretty emotional on this. So um, all right, because uh, I we're on the it, uh, yeah okay. All right. All right. And now, welcome to the emotionally fraught third segment 
of the DMZ America podcast for whatever day this is, Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. <laughs> uh, I'm Ted Rall coming to you from the left. And I'm Scott Stannis coming to you from the right. Uh, about th- three days from now, it marks the one year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We've now been at war. Uh, well, the, Russia has been at war in Ukraine for a year almost. And uh, uh, looks like there's no end in sight. Uh, I think it's fair. Can we call it a quagmire yet, Scott? We're just about there. Yeah, I think um, I think the spring offensives are going to show that's that's you know that's that's going to, that's going to be the pro- proof in the pudding, as it were. Um, Putin is clearly setting up for an invasion. The Ukrainians are waiting there, but there have been extenuating circumstances, and this is where I'm going to get really emotional, Ted. And I apologize up front because it really pisses me off. The uh, the visit by President Biden yesterday. Surprise visit. Surprise. Um, he, he By the way, it's not really was... a surprise visit if it's announced in the newspaper, is it? It wasn't announced in the newspaper. No, I though. mean, it, it was. Really just, was. Oh, yeah. I guess. I mean, I, it's funny. The New York Times like had a headline that said, you know, uh, a secret visit. I'm like, well, you mean unannounced visit, right? Yeah, not, not, not so secret anymore. Right. Um so yeah, and it's I I have to give him props the courage to go there. I mean, it was he went to an active war zone, but so did the presidents Bush and Obama and Trump. True, uh, uh, flew into uh, hot zones, as it were, uh, secret, uh, secretly yeah. Afghanistan and Iraq. And how'd those turn out for us, Ted? I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. Well, I don't know. I don't really know that like flying into the war zone necessarily affects the outcome. I mean. Uh, America's most glorious victory in uh, on the field of battle is World War II, and I don't remember FDR ever visiting the front. No, but he went to he did he did cross the Atlantic, which took some courage with the U. And he went to Yalta, yeah, yeah. So that was I mean, they, yeah, yeah, he had some there's some courage involved there. But this here's why I have a problem with it, and Ted and I are going to agree uh, because it, it creates it escalates the conflict even more. Um, the trip, the presidential uh, trip. And the presidential trip, yes. Well, it gives more legitimacy that we're going to send them more planes, more ammunition. Zelensky said uh, yesterday as well that, okay, and this is what is should put ice in the veins of every American and every actually every citizen of the earth. Zelensky said, we are going to have these, thank you for the tanks, and they're going to be rolling through Red Square. Oh, man. Did he really say that? Look it up. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, first uh, of all, that also, aside from being like maniacal and warmongery and like um, unnecessary, in, incredibly provocative, man, President Putin is like, thank you, Volodymyr. I love uh, yeah, you. Yes. Like and, best so, message of the day. And then also, it's like, how high are you, Zelensky? How high are you? Really? You think you're going to invade Russia? Really, all the way to Moscow. You're gonna do what Napoleon and Hitler couldn't do. You, little guy, TV actor. Really, t-shirt boy. Um, I don't, you know, I don't hate Zelensky as much as Ted does, but I think I think he's a show. Uh, well, I think he's that people to disaster, un- completely unnecessarily. I mean, you know, all he had to. I mean, seriously, threatening to it, it, it's insane most most of the reason that russia invaded was because ukraine wanted to join nato which by the way it can't join nato it doesn't qualify to join nato because it has a dispute because nato membership is only open to countries that do not have disputed borders 
and Ukraine does not qualify on those grounds. So literally, uh, you know, Zelensky was fronting, as the kids used to say, and that's all he's, I mean, that's what this was all about. And he spooked the Russians who have reasons to be spooked, as we've previously talked about on this podcast. Um, I don't know. I mean, anyway, enough about, uh, sorry, I, I had to. No, that's, no, we're both feeling very strong. This is now being escalated. When you start talking about, you know, a re, uh, an invasion of, the, of Russia and Putin gave a speech yesterday. I mean, you, you're handing things to him on a silver platter. Um, the escalation of it, the, um, I think Putin is feeling uh, frustrated by, uh, by this action. Um by, uh, by, by, the, by the war. Yeah, the, the war has not gone the way he thought it would. He thought, I really do think he thought 100,000 troops and we'll take Kiev in a week. And then I'm going to be have, you know, Ukraine back in our orbit. And that'll be just so super. And it didn't work out that way. I think he probably um, would not. I, I, I don't know this, but my speculation is that if he had knocked off Zelensky uh, in that, you know, the early days of the war last year, uh, you know, I think that Russia would have installed a, um, Russia-friendly puppet regime, and then withdrawn. Yeah. I don't think they wanted to occupy it directly or uh, yeah. Ukraine. But here's the thing: you talk about a quagmire, and so this is this this goddamn thing is going to go on for a decade. Ted, now I'm convinced. Um, depending on how serious this the um, the offensive in the spring, and like I said, by all accounts, that the, the Russians are planning one, and it could be a multi. If they're smart, it could be a multi-pronged attack, which the Ukrainians are not able to defend against. So mm-hmm. uh, that could be the end. If that's the yeah, end of they the also, war, don't forget they have their buddies in Belarus. They can come in through Belarus as well. Right. Exactly. And so, and Belarus has been aching. What's 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 that dipshit's name? The dictator oh, uh, there. Uh, uh, oh my god. That's uh, it. That. That guy, something that guy. Shanko. That guy. Yeah, something Shanko. Yeah, he has been chomping at the bit to get involved because he wants his little piece of Ukraine too. Um, this is going to devolve. It already has, but it's going to devolve into a quagmire if, you, if, if history is any indicator. And as long as we continue to proxy, we're not, not going to give them enough weapons to do anything other than hold their own. So logically, Unless Russia just decides to give up, um, there's no outcome other than quagmire here. Um, Which there is a history of the Russians doing that, by the way. Let's look at Afghanistan. They did get mired in there and they said finally after a decade, they said, fuck it, we're leaving. Yeah, but but Afghanistan was not like uh, the thing is from if you look at sort of a geopolitical like risk game kind of outlook, it's like a. Um, you know, from the Russian point of view, Afghanistan was important because it was it threat it was on the border of the Soviet Union, but it was not on the border of Russia, right? So Afghanistan was separated is separated by from Russia by Uzbekistan and Tajikistan primarily, and um, and therefore from a Russian point of view, let's just say that the top Afghanistan like went like completely like, uh, you know, became a, a terrible security problem, which of course it always is. Um, and both still, the, you know, the Russians have some backspace to maneuver in Uzbekistan or at, at that time, the Uzbek and Tajik SSRs. Ukraine is right on the Russian border and not just any Russian border that's out in the hinterlands in Southeastern Russia, which where nobody lives. This is like right, like in Western Russia, 
which is the most populous part of the country and is a straight shot to Moscow and St. Petersburg. So the Ukrainian border is far more sensitive from a national security standpoint to the Russian Federation, far more. So they, they can't just walk away from that the way that they did from Afghanistan. Um, they, they can't let it go. They have to have some, that's where I think they can look at it. If like they have Crimea and the, and the Donbass and they secure that completely, that can serve as their buffer zone. They need a buffer zone um, or they feel they need a buffer zone. Yeah, I don't think this is the way to get it, obviously. I, mean, I do oppose the <laughs> the invasion. I understand it. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. When, when I talk about things like what you just mentioned to other people, they think that I'm defending the invasion. I'm not. There's a reason for it, though. This didn't come out of whole cloth. It's not unprovoked. Um, when people say it's unprovoked, it's not unprovoked. You can certainly argue that it, that it's unjustified, but you cannot say it's unprovoked. Zelensky provoked it, no question about it. Um, so, I mean, I guess the thing is now, oh, by the way, we should talk about the um, uh, a new development uh, right before we started recording this podcast. Uh, news broke that uh, Putin and President Xi of China will be holding a summit meeting this spring in Moscow in which the subject will be China's, uh, China up until now has been uh, not, certainly not participated in anything having to do with the war effort against Ukraine. And they've, they haven't even endorsed the war at all. They've been studiously, um, it's like Swiss-like in terms of their yeah. opinion about it. But now apparently they're gonna, the uh, President Xi has promised uh, Russia that he's going to assist Russia uh, with materiel, war materiel, to help in their uh, fight against the Ukrainians and and their uh, NATO and uh, American proxies. So now we really have a full-blown two-sided proxy war in Ukraine. Yes. Well, the, what could go wrong there? Uh, maybe, I guess they could offer a lot of balloons. Um. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, <laughs> let's just say that I just want to parenthetically point out, why is it now Biden last week announced that they really were not spy balloons, that they were just weather balloons launched not by the Chinese government, but by uh, private companies, and that yeah. they were blown off course. In other words, the Chinese told the truth. And No, the first balloon was Chinese. The, the, you said they tracked it from, this, from its launch in China. But the other ones, the other ones were all Chinese. They were Chinese, but they weren't Chinese government. Oh, were they? Yeah, they were just companies. They were like, you know, Bob's balloon and curly fries and weather <laughs> collection data. So, I mean, it's kind of like. So this is another escalation. Now China's going to get involved. Um, this and this and this. I'm, and, you know, I'm, war is dumb. OK, I just want to go on record as saying I've been anti-war most of my life. I've been made some mistakes and supported some that turned out to be catastrophes because that's what wars generally are. And so on this one, we have to be so, so careful now. Um, we're on a razor's edge. Putin is feeling, if Putin feels threatened, if Zelensky continues with language like they're going to invade Russia, which they could, they've already launched some missiles into the Russian territory, which is a big mistake. Um, it's just, this should be a purely defensive. Um, and drones. Have they have they launched this drones? It's also in the too? first major, if you really think about it, nobody talks about this. This is the first major drone war where drones really have are playing an important big role 
Um, you don't think Afghanistan and Iraq were the same? Uh, Afghanistan certainly, certainly not Iraq. Was. Certainly not Iraq. I mean, okay, but I'm saying on both a two-sided war, like Iraq. Yeah, of course, the U.S. used drones, but in uh, but this is like not. It's two things. First of all, it's both sides are using drones, and both sides are using a lot of these like cheap, like little little quadcopters and. Uh, you know, these like these drones that like you that individual soldiers carry in their backpacks and just throw over the, the hill and stuff like that. I mean, it's the drone war is this is like an official real big ass drone war. Um, we haven't really had that yet. OK. Just well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I mean, this is a, and this was, I mean, this is where wars go. They, they grow, they become more, you know, uh, they suck more and more people, more and more institutions, more and more governments into it. Um, the, um, the war in Bosnia Herzegovina, uh, you know, the, the genocide that was going on there uh, by the um, uh, Slovakians, not Slovakians, the um, oh, God, um, Serbians, mm. uh, the only time the only time we got movement in terms of them backing off was when they bombed they actually th lobbed some bombs into uh was it oh god what's the help me ted um the serbian capital belgrade uh belgrade yeah mm -hmm. okay and they, so they launched them into there and and that's when they bombed a, a bridge a fairly important bridge in that in that in that area and um all of a sudden the Serbians are going, Oh wait, this is a real war up until that point. They actually like had newscasts that mocked the casualties that they were causing. And so when the, when the war finally came to their city, the, the major population center, they said, Oh shit, this may be a bad idea. I'm wondering, I mean, is that the only way you're going to stop Russia from doing what it's doing is by, by should, should Ukraine controversial, question but should ukraine lob missiles into st petersburg and moscow and say listen you're th you're throwing missiles at us we're throwing back well i mean that's an interesting question right i mean it's like if you're part of the ukrainian military command um you're trying to you know you you have to weigh uh countervailing uh priorities i mean if you're fighting a total war and uh you know you just don't give a shit then yeah, you 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 you're going to try to like draw as much blood from your enemies as you possibly can, but Ukraine's support heretofore uh, has relied entirely on uh, basically a propaganda campaign to the West uh, and to try to say, look, we're just defending our own territory here. We're not involved in any kind of act of aggression. Uh, we're not going to fight in Russia. Where you know, like they even deny responsibility, or they don't comment on the uh, the blowing up of the bridge to Crimea and stuff like that. So, I think if they're seen as uh, if they if they did something like that, uh, a lot of people uh, in the West would be very nervous. They would think that World War III was imminent. They would think the situation was getting really out of control. Uh, I think support for Ukraine would evaporate from, due to a combination of losing the moral high ground. And, uh, you know, they have to, Ukraine has to present itself completely as the victim of an unprovoked attack. As long as they do that, they keep some control. They keep, they keep, they, they maintain support. But as soon as they're perceived as being aggressive, uh, like, you know, <laughs> promising to roll tanks through red square um you know that's yeah that's when that's when 
that's when they're going to go too far. That's I think Zelensky is starting to expose himself as uh, you know kind of that kind of figure, and we'll see um, that that's the problem with supplying all these weapons is. You know, you give all these weapons to a country that, uh, you know, look, they're being invaded. They, 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 they say we're being aggressed. We want to defend ourselves. We want to kick the enemy's ass. Well, you know, you get these big weapons, you get F-16s, you're going to want to use them. I mean, wouldn't you? Um, so, uh, and you're going to, and you know, you're going to be like, our people are getting killed. We want to kill their people. It's all like, and maybe if we bomb St. We bomb Moscow and St. Petersburg, maybe that'll get the Russian people's attention. I mean, you can see that that mentality. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to see how this happens. So it's a major, yeah, it's a major problem. Um, I, I, I mean, I think it became inevitable as soon as the United States just decided that it was going to arm uh, a country that is without a, without a doubt, fairly, fairly and squarely in Russia's sphere of influence, um, you know, that this was going to happen. Um, that things were going to get out of control. And uh, so, yeah. And I do think that, you know, proxy wars, you know, oh, we're going to keep our enemies occupied. Well, yeah, but that tends to make you occupied too. So uh, that's, that's where we should leave it. I think. Okay. That's it. That's it. Right. That's the words of wisdom now. All right. And uh, all right. We've done an entire podcast without even talking about, well, you know, so uh <laughs> <laughs> where can we find your stuff fire drone fire drone does whatever a fire drone does no you ruined it no they knew they knew um go ahead and check me out at gocomics.com slash scott stantis that's one word gocomics.com slash scott stantis and see my editorial cartoons you can go gocomics.com slash prickly city which is my comic strip. You can also go to the Chicago Tribune opinion section and see a gallery of the work I do for them. Go to Dallas News, which is the website for the Dallas Morning News, which I draw for as well. See a gallery of work I do for them. And uh, yeah, go to counter, go to Center Counterpoint, which Ted and I are both involved with. It's a newsletter that's uh, with some of the best cartoonists in the country, certainly two of them. Uh, and also Center, I mean, yeah, Center Clip, which is the, we talk about this all the time. Center Clip is a new app, absolutely free. Download it to your phone and get short 30 second to five minute podcasts. Ted and I post pretty regularly, as do some other really smart people. So Ted, where can we see your stuff? You can go all to, things Ted. You can go to gocomics.com slash Ted Rall. You can go to rall.com, R-A-L-L.com, sputniknews.com. You can go to, what am I forgetting? Oh, Center Clip and Counterpoint, as you mentioned. Uh, and uh, so thank you everyone for listening. As previously mentioned, you can contact both Scott and I personally uh, via Twitter at, at Scott Stantis or at Ted Rawl. And uh, if you ask us a question, you know, hashtag DMZ America, we will, and it's not a stupid ass question or even especially <laughs> a stupid ass question. Yeah, we'll come on. Try to answer it next week. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and see you in the pods. Bye, Ted. Bye, Scott. <laughs>